Golden Spiral Media is a proud affiliate of Amazon. If you enjoy instant streaming of movies and TV shows, instant access to Kindle books, and free two-day shipping, you'll love Amazon Prime. Visit goldenspiralmedia.com forward slash prime and start your 30-day free trial today. Welcome back to TripleCast. We're excited to be back with you as we continue our series on a pair of two legendary Hollywood talents, Cary Grant and Alfred Hitchcock. The cat and mouse game continues right now with To Catch a Thief. Welcome back to TripleCast, everybody. As I said, we're continuing our series on Alfred Hitchcock and Cary Grant today with the 1955 classic, To Catch a Thief. Once again, I'm joined by the awesome, the amazing, the dizzying intellect having <laughs> Travis in Florida. How you doing, man? I am humbled. Thank you so much. It's fun to be here again. <laughs> That's all right. Now we'll always have dizzying intellect and we'll both know that it means a little bit something other than just a reference to the princess bride yep yep (laughs) (laughs) this was a great movie a fun movie i mentioned cat and mouse in the intro there i mean that's what this movie was i mean obviously cat references were everywhere in the movie talking about to catch a thief written by john michael hayes he wrote the screenplay david dodge wrote the novel and of course directed by alfred hitchcock And it was starring Cary Grant as John Robbie, Grace Kelly as Frances Stevens, uh, Jesse Royce Landis as Jesse Stevens, uh, Bridget Auber as Danielle Foussard, and John Williams as H.H. Hewson. So is this before he got into composing, or is this a different John Williams? I believe, I I could be wrong, but this I I think it's a different John Williams. Okay, I think you're right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So he didn't do the music for this movie. This movie, the music for this movie... Try saying that three times fast. <laughs> was Lynn Murray. The budget, $2.5 million, and it brought in a worldwide box office of $8.75 million. You know, those numbers seem so small by today's standards, and they are by today's standards, but by the, at the time, those were some nice big numbers. Yeah, very much uh, made its money back and then some. That's right. Tell us about the awards and accolades that this movie won. Alrighty, we have a win for Academy Award for Best Cinematography in Color, 1956, by Robert Burks. It was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Art Direction, Set Direction, Color. Uh, that was a handful of people there. Nominated for Academy Award for Best Costume Design and Color by Edith Head. Alfred Hitchcock was nominated for Golden Lion at Venice Film Festivals, 1955. And John Michael Hayes was nominated for a WGA Award screen for Best Written American Comedy, Writers Guild of America. And that's pretty interesting to me, Travis, to think about this film as a comedy. I enjoyed it, and I laughed out loud several times. But honestly, it wasn't until I read that right there, because I think you put in these for this particular uh, movie, and I thought, gosh, I guess it was a comedy. Because I kind of yeah. thought of it kind of as an adventure, kind of a, I mean, it was, it was an adventure, it was suspenseful, it was a romantic movie, but it was a comedy too. Yeah, absolutely. I was kind of surprised myself to see that, but you're right. It had just about every kind of 
genre to it, really. Yeah, and uh, it didn't it didn't just settle for one type of movie. That's right. I, I've seen uh, some behind the scenes of another movie uh, where they tried adding some horror with the comedy and vice versa, and people criticized it for that. And one of the actresses, like uh, actor, was, "Do you know life to just be a serious movie or a comedy? It's like it's kind of silly to criticize something that's closer to life. It just sometimes makes a better movie." Yeah, and this was wonderful. I really <laughs> enjoyed it. You mentioned that it won the Academy Award for Best Cinematography. This is no no insult meant toward the movie, but come on. It was shot in VistaVision, full widescreen, which, you know, the last one we did, Notorious, which was written or done almost 10 years earlier. You know, this one, the technology had changed. We have widescreen, color, and man, we're in the French Riviera right there with Monaco, which obviously has a great tie-in here with Grace Kelly. But, uh, man, so beautiful. Those wide shots that they did were awesome. They had, it was easy. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is they had a beautiful landscape. The canvas was made, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. This movie is available on Netflix DVD and Blockbuster DVD, <clears throat> but it's also available on Amazon Prime, which is how I watched it. And if you have Prime, there's no additional cost for that. And it's also available. You can rent it on iTunes. So a lot more options for this movie. Then we got for the last one. How did you watch this one? I had to rent it through Netflix uh, DVD. Okay. All right. Tell us about the plot. All right. A, from Internet Movie Database, it's uh, a series of ingenious jewelry robberies takes place on the French Riviera. The police suspect John Robbie, an expert thief who is known as the cat, before he retired from crime. Robbie enlists the help of an insurance man to guess where the real thief will strike next. He befriends wealthy widow Jesse Stevens and her attractive daughter, Frances. Yeah, so it was really cool. We had the relationship between them. He is very, very motivated to defend himself and to prove that he is not guilty of this crime that he is being accused of. Hmm, where will we see that again? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe in the next uh, triple cast episode. But (laughs) it made for some great moments on screen. In in some regard, he's a bad guy. He's a he's a he's a thief. I mean, yes, he's a recovering thief and all of that stuff. But I don't know. Did you find him believable as a as a thief? Well, interestingly enough, uh, if you if you research a little bit of Cary Grant, I don't know how well known it is, but he himself actually grew up as uh, in a in a, tra- a trapeze troupe, if I remember right. right, something like that. Yeah. So it might have come naturally to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, he's an ex-thief. Uh, he did that even before the war. Right. So if if you go by just the, the bits and pieces we were given, it almost sounds like as a teenager, he just, you know, was the typical bad teenager who got really good at it. Yeah. And it took the war to straighten him out. And after that, I, I, I if I remember right, he was some kind of hero, uh, was exonerated for all the crimes. That's well, not right. exonerated, but, you know, given a pass. He was... Uh- not pardoned. He was paroled. They they, they were very That's careful right. not to use the word pardon. They he was paroled for what he the crimes he had committed. Yeah, and uh, so he he spent the rest of his life just you know trying to live the straight and narrow. So it, honestly, the, the the thief part was almost a small part of his life by that point. Yeah, and that's the way he wanted it to be. But man, the instant there is a ring of thefts going around town, they're quick to point the finger at him. And you know what? I mean, it was very clear in the movie that. Whoever was doing these had some kind of trademarks of him. I mean, he was kind of known for being so good at what he did that it almost had to be him. But, of course, it wasn't. Nope. So, um, 
early on in the movie, the insurance gets involved, of course. If there can't be a rash of jewel thieves or, or jewel thefts going on without getting the insurance involved. And he partners up with the insurance agent to get him information so that he can prove that he's not the thief. I found that to be completely unbelievable. Well, yeah, and, and considering how everybody likes to be so secretive today and, and you know, with just you, you, you got to be secret, just to have that much information as an insurance salesman and just almost easily give it away to a known thief. Yes. I, I, I can see that. Yeah. I will say that the insurance agent and, and um, Roby, they turned around pretty quickly and got the police involved with the investigation as well. The police were aware that they were kind of collaborating together. So at that point, I was like, okay, now the insurance agent is covering his butt because he would obviously need to cover his butt if he's going to be giving this information, this sensitive information to a known thief, albeit retired, still a known thief. So that did help me, but they didn't do that right away. So I was really having a hard time with it until they got the police involved. Yeah. And one thing to remember too, I don't know if it was just hard to hear through the dubbing, but uh, he was the person who was at the restaurant asking about the cat and the other things around town that really set the restaurant owner off to, you know, push him away. If I remember right, that was the insurance salesman. And that's who he got a a hold of uh, when Robbie was looking for him. Yep. And so to me, you know, he'd already started an investigation and I kind of wonder if he was smarter than we give him credit for and was you, and, and I think you picked up on this. He was using Robbie as much as Robbie was using him. Yeah. No, that's a great point because <clears throat> if it turned out that it was Robbie and now he has the, the, excuse me, the police involved, well, now he's, he's got what he wants. But if it turns out it's not Robbie and he, you know, Roby and or I've heard it pronounced both ways, but um, if uh, it turns out that, it, it, that it's not him and, and Roby ends up helping him catch the true cat burglar, which they did, then again, it helps him either way. So it, you're right. It was pretty smart on the risky, still risky, but smart, oh, you know, because who's to say that, that Roby and whoever was the cat burglar weren't in cahoots somehow and really working together to pull something off. They didn't know if that was going on or not, but it, it turned out pretty well for him, I guess. Yeah, And that's been used to good plot devices in other movies where you think he's a good guy until the end and find out they've been working together the whole time. That's right. That's right. And there were times where I really wasn't sure if uh, he was involved with it or not or if he was playing them, setting something up. And they go out to stake out the house and they run into uh, the restaurant owner at that, at that time. Um, which we, it was interesting later, we find out why the restaurant owner was there. But, um, you know, you didn't know if maybe he might actually be scoping the, the house out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a solid plot. Good use of solid uh, plot devices throughout. Um, I don't know how often those had been used at the time because you, you look back on something like mm. that and it's been repeated so much and you forget where the original was and... I'm, you know, I'm big of a movie buff as I am. I'm still a novice, but uh, used to such well effect, it just it didn't feel stale to me at all. Yeah, um, the way the twists and turns happened and the ins and outs of it all, just a good solid movie. Yeah, I, I loved all the twists and turns. You know, one of my favorite. And I didn't write this in the notes. I can't believe I forgot this, but at least I don't think I did. But when he escapes, because uh, he's sent his maid or whoever into the car and the, and the police take chase. Yeah, I guess I did have that uh, later on in the notes. Mm-hmm. That was so clever. 
<laughs> that was so clever. They, they she chases them or she leads them on a chase to get them far away from the house, only so he can make a clean getaway. I thought it was really genius. The thing that I thought was going to happen when they finally catch up with the car and they realize that she's driving, they immediately jump in their car and head back to the house because they they think that's where he is. I thought it would have been fantastic then if he would have jumped out of the trunk of the car and gotten mm-hmm. into the car with her because then they it, <laughs> would have had twice the distance on them. But either yeah, way, it yeah. was great. Um, one thing I did I did get right, though, you know, you start playing this whodunit pretty early on in the movie. If he's If he's innocent, which he says that he is, then who is the thief? And I love things like this, and I rarely get them right. But for whatever reason, as soon as we saw the the daughter of the the waiter or whatever the maitre d or whatever his his role was there at the restaurant she helps him escape via boat i just pegged her for the thief but i was wrong on why i thought she was the thief i thought she was the thief because she was talking to roby about how he helped her learn english and she grew up watching him and i thought she was going to be the thief to kind of show him, to prove herself to him, like she had a crush on him and she wanted to have more of a relationship with him and she was really trying to impress him. But that didn't really turn out to be her true motivation. But I was still right in terms of who the actual thief was. Mm. And and despite your your reasons for why, I think those were hints as to who it would be. Because like I said, he, he taught her English. She, she'd known him for so long. Uh, me personally, I I didn't even think to look for it the first time. I I love the whodunit kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, but I tend to let the movie just carry me along and, and enjoy the process of finding out. Okay. Um, I, I I I don't know why I, I love them, but I just don't play them the way other people do. I guess. Yeah, I, and that's fine. I love p- trying to guess it because I'm I'm so often wrong. <laughs> so when I do get one right, I can yeah. put a little feather in my cap. Yeah, I think that might be why I gave up because you know, I'm constantly wrong about who done it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I I, I like the the believable progression of the investigation. It wasn't just a one big setup and we got him. It was you know a couple of wrong turns, a lot of you know genuine research and, and investigation. Yeah, uh, to get there and the number of times they were wrong and got close and and the hints all the way. Uh, just a very believable plot, I thought for for the progression. No, I'll agree with that. And I loved how we got the two kind of side characters along the way. You know, the one that Grace Kelly played with Frances Stevens and her mom, played by Jesse Royce Landis, you know, Jesse Stevens. And they were great side characters, really added to the story, were fun. You know, the mom was, you know, she kind of reminded me on, on Titanic. You know, you, you've got, and I'm talking about the, the big James Cameron Titanic. You've got um, Rose. Yeah. Okay, you know, yep. Rose and her mom kind of came into money, you know, after the fact. And they were, they weren't really, they didn't grow up in money. They didn't always have money. And so mm. this mother daughter combination reminded me of that dynamic where they hadn't always had money. They had come into money mm-hmm. and they didn't exactly know how to act sometimes. And sometimes they, it kind of kept them grounded at other times and it added to the believability. I, I could relate to them better because of that. Yeah, the mom though, Jesse, she, I think she was a lot more grounded, much more down to earth individual, and and kind of helped the daughter stay down to earth more. I yes. think, just just very, you know, the blunt American. You think yes, about it. didn't care, <laughs> didn't care. <laughs> That's exactly right. And I love yeah. that she was like, oh, they're just 
they're jewels. They're made to be worn if they're stolen. That's what insurance money is for. You know, yeah. I, I loved that about her. Yeah, she was fantastic in this. Yeah. What do you think of the pacing, though? Of, especially the, the love story. I talked about the love story in the last Notorious. Maybe yeah. it didn't really develop in a believable way. What you, would you think about it in this one? I personally thought it was better pacing. Um, it wasn't like instantly we're in love and we're out of here. I know, granted, you know, the first night she reaches over and kisses him, but instead of falling for that immediately, mm-hmm. he kind of, you know, doesn't play hard to get, but, you know, in a way plays hard to get. And But, you know, he's he's cautious. He's he's a cat thief. He's doing, I, I guess, what a cat thief would do and just take things one step at a time. Yeah, scoping the joint <laughs> out. <laughs> Although the fireworks scene, even my wife, when she's watching it, it's like, this just seems odd. Yeah. <laughs> that was, was, only, a little I, bit was the only thing out of place I thought was, was the way they kept cutting the fireworks in and getting a little closer each yeah. time. And you know what they're alluding to. Absolutely. What, what's and happening. This was done in 1955. And so the way that they portrayed things on screen wasn't what we would get nowadays, of course, but yeah, the the fireworks were more of uh, trying to to tell the audience what was actually going on yeah. inside that room. But it was a little bit odd too. Yeah, it just—I don't know if it was just the 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 way they were cut or something. It just just didn't quite feel right. I don't know. I can't explain it any better than that. Well, the, to me, you could tell that they, it was on a projection screen, so it didn't quite mesh with the rest of the the scene it looked out of place and so i didn't hate it but it was just odd yeah (laughs) yeah so any other thoughts there on the plot i mean i i thoroughly enjoyed it i love what you said about how it just kind of progressed naturally and i loved at the end of the movie the big setup the big party where they trick the police into thinking that roby is right there when in fact it's the insurance guy the whole time, and he's staking out who the real cat burglar is. I loved yeah. all of that. You know, it was good. It, it, it was great. Like, it's a great plot device. And like I said, I don't know if this is the first to do it. Probably not, but just fantastically done. Yeah. Nothing felt stale about this movie. Yeah. This was my favorite of the three that, that we're watching. I have a feeling, based on some of your comments, that the next one is going to be your favorite. But this was the one I enjoyed the most. Yeah, and actually, you said something in the last podcast about how the second time and the more you watch it, the better it gets. This yeah. is definitely one of those movies because I thought it was okay the first time I watched it, but mm-hmm. the second time, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. It was much better, I thought, the second time around. Yeah, and I actually haven't seen this one twice yet. I, I planned on watching it today, and I, I just didn't. I ran out of time, but I, I do plan on watching it again for the second time. Mm-hmm. So, what about thoughts on like the style, the directing, and the acting on, on this movie? Well, the beginning, I thought it was fun, um, maybe a bit blatant, but still fun. Uh, seeing the cat coming into a place, you see the jewels get stolen and then yeah. the, the cat leaves. And that was a fun use of the, the, the device there. And They used cats a lot in the movie and it was it was fine. It was almost a little bit too much, but it was okay. I did like yeah. also at the beginning when you had this nice, peaceful, big shots of the French Riviera and the seaside and everything else. And then when it gets in the movie, it's like, boom, woman screaming. Ah, you know, it was just like <laughs> shock. All right, here we go. We're right into the movie. I thought that was yep. great. You know? Yeah, that was a good transition. And I, just the transition itself from, from a postcard to now we're in Nice or the yes. Riviera. It was, it was a good transition. It sure was. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I mentioned earlier the car chasing. The car chasing in this, and there was a couple of car chases. I mentioned the one when he escapes from his house near the beginning, but there's also the one when they're, they're being followed and they... They end up at the picnic is how they escape. But it just gave us some great, great 
beautiful shots of of France and but it was it was fun too. The car chases were really fun and car chases were still kind of coming into their own at this stage in in cinema history. But I liked what they did here. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and like you can't say it any better. Just it was you get the great car chase and and you get the great scenery and there's just wonderful long shots too to see it all it wasn't you know down the street or just off to the side it was you know an aerial shot where you get to literally see the whole landscape definitely beautiful, yeah beautiful beautiful and i've actually been to nice it's it lives up to it it really does oh i'm jealous and it's quite <laughs> the opposite of what we got in notorious i mean with notorious the entire movie was shot on sound stages with the exception of when they're on the horses, when when he coincidentally introduces Sebastian to Alicia, this movie was not that way at all. I mean, back to Notorious, even like they they did some overhead shots of Rio and of the racetrack and a few other kind of establish establishing shots, but it was all all the interaction between the characters was shot on soundstage. This one was was not. It was beautiful. They were on location. They were using wide shots and showing off the landscapes. And I am so glad they did. They took full advantage of VistaVision. Yeah, absolutely. And and you can always tell when something's on stage mm-hmm. or uh, in studio. Right. Um. Very very hard to escape that feeling of being in a room when yeah. you're supposed to be outside. And and you're right. It it just beautifully shot. Beautifully shot. It sure was. Unfortunately, though, I didn't see. Any unusual camera shots like the other two movies? I don't know if you caught anything. But it was you know the horizon in the middle of the screen, and I mean you had the aerial shots. Sure, that was nice. Yeah, no, that was the big payoff. I mean, you had the subtle shot. The only one that comes to mind is the subtle shot of after Roby escapes on the boat, he swims to shore, and you briefly get a shot of Grace Kelly, briefly, just barely. Yeah. Otherwise, we really don't see her until, I don't know, 30 minutes into the movie, which is, which is quite surprising for the leading lady. But there was just a little bit of a clue there that wasn't really hard to pick up on. It wasn't like a super hidden clue, but it was just subtle that, that this lady was going to be significant. And even though we didn't get to her for several more minutes down the road, that's kind of the only shot that I can think of that was more of a clue rather than an out-and-out obvious thing when you do you know i'm hitting you over the head with this shot it was more of a subtlety yeah and you could almost feel like there was something there too just it, the way he kind of looked at her and she looked at him mm-hmm. just briefly and it almost sounded like or it felt like there might be a conversation struck up until he was called away right i also love the way i don't know if it was a lot a lot through the movie but i i, I like it when characters break the fourth wall and just look at you <laughs> they don't have to say anything they just they just look at you it's like really or you know that's kind of funny whatever um and we'll get it into it during the the, the cameo uh part but yes. the, the scene on the bus <laughs> I, I both times i watched it i was laughing out loud yeah. at that particular shot it was perfect yeah it was so yeah. good you know grant was cast Cary grant was cast as an older man I think he was supposed to be younger than what he actually was. I think in, in real life that he was around 50 or 55 when they filmed this. And he's having this love affair with this Grace Kelly, who's what, 24, 25, I think, at the time. And I just didn't buy it. It just it felt like creepy dad type of thing. I mean, he's old enough to be her dad, and it just it creeped me out a little bit. I don't know if they meant for him to be younger, if they really expected us to believe that he was younger, or if they, he really was a 50-something-year-old man having a relationship with a 25 year old girl i don't know it just, it just i liked both of them on screen but it 
in some ways it didn't work for me. Yeah. I, I you know, you're right. Um, from what I remember reading, he's supposed to be 35, but I don't think they mention his age anywhere in the movie. I assumed he was supposed to be older anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't think I was creeped out as much as you were because that happens so much in movies in one way, in one way or another. You, know, you think of, you know, Mrs. Robinson from the graduate kind of thing. So it, it does happen a lot. And yeah. usually the man is the older one, but, um, yeah, it just, it happens so much. I, I don't know if I'm just, you know, numb to the fact that that was there, but yeah, you're right. It, it just doesn't quite fit. The weird thing is, I think they really had a relationship off screen too. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah, because there was um, a blurb when, when she got in the car wreck when she was there uh, later in life as Princess Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, that struck him really, really hard. That mm. was probably the most upset he was at one of his co-stars passing away. Yeah. And, and, from what I hear, I, talking to my mom, he, apparently he had a relationship with every one of his leading ladies. It, it could so. be. There's been much debate on his sex life and his sexuality, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if he, he did or didn't. But that's really tragic. You mentioned the, the car wreck that, that took Grace Kelly's life. The ironic part is that it occurred very close, if not on some of those same roads, that we saw them r- racing up and down in the cars in this movie. And and. It was one of those roads that eventually took her life. She had a stroke while she was driving, drove off yeah. the cliff. Her daughter was with her. Her daughter survived. She died the mm. next day. Very sad. Very sad, yeah. All right, any other thoughts on the uh, on the movie? Nothing I can think of. All right, well, let's get into Hitchcock's cameo. Yeah. I'll let you take it. You just talked about <laughs> it a little bit. Yeah, I, I love this one. And it's, it's weird, too, that he did this. Um, but uh, it's, like you said, uh, when... When Roby uh, sends his maid away on the car chase and he gets on a bus to take him you know, somewhere else, yeah. he sits in the back of the bus, sits next to a lady with a couple of birds, and next to him on the other side is Hitchcock himself. Yes. Not saying a word, just looking straight ahead. And, and he la- looks at him. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Cary Grant looks at him. <laughs> and then he looks at you and just like, are you kidding me? But here's the uh, weird thing. He didn't do the birds for like almost 10 years later. Is that right? I didn't realize I, I just that. I couldn't believe them. Like, <laughs> why did they have that scene in there with the birds and the look and Hitchcock? And he hadn't done the birds yet. That's why I thought it was so hysterical. It's like, he's, he's like, are you kidding me? You just put me between Hitchcock and a bunch of birds? Are you serious? <laughs> and he hadn't done the movie yet. <laughs> I thought it was funny, and that's that's wonderful. That's awesome. I thought it was funny, just the deadpanness of it. It was like he gets on the bus, Hitchcock's just sitting there, like, yep, yep. And and you're right, Cary Grant looks at the camera, and it's like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> <laughs> it was great. That's it was awesome. Great. I loved yeah. it. Thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I gave this one nine bags of jewels. I gave it eight and a half overly tanned ex thieves. <laughs> funny you say that i came really really close to mentioning his tan earlier in the show i didn't have it in the in the notes and the tan was a little bit overdone i thought he was a little overbaked yeah absolutely like like you know i'm from florida so i can say this it's like the little old ladies in miami who have just been out too long <laughs> that's gross all right well here's what happened next and um, of course we're same thing i same disclosure i gave or a disclaimer rather i gave in the last podcast because we're talking about Cary Grant and Alfred Hitchcock, we're not going to mention all their stuff right now. We'll kind of salt it in over the next show after this one. But after this, Cary Grant went on to do The Pride and The Passion and Kiss Them For Me and, of course, North by Northwest, which is our next podcast. 
And Grace Kelly went on to do The Swan, High Society, and then eventually The Princess of Monaco. Yeah, where we talked about her tragic death. Um, but she retired from acting really early on so she could take on her duties there as the Princess of Monaco. I I completely understand that and, and respect her for that. But man, it would have been great to have her on screen a little bit longer. Yeah, and I think it was actually her husband's choice. I think uh, he, right. I think he talked her into not acting anymore, just for the sake of Monaco. Yeah, the sake of the people of of Monaco. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jesse Royce Landis went on to be in North by Northwest and The Swan. Interesting in this movie, she plays um, the mother of the woman he's in love with, so the mother in law type character. In the next movie, North by Northwest, she'll actually play his mother. Yep. And then uh, the other John Williams uh, went on to do Dial M for Murder uh, and Sabrina, yeah. uh, both actually before To Catch a Thief. They were. You know, I put those in there because they're such big movies. I mean, the original Sabrina is, is wonderful. I mean, yes, the one that um, Harrison Ford and whoever else was in that is, is really good, too. But I thought I'd go ahead and put both of those in there. And then, mm. of course, Alfred Hitchcock, The Man Who Knew Too Much. Vertigo. You ever heard of that one, Travis? I, I think I have. Uh, it makes me dizzy to think about it, though. <laughs> and of course, as we've mentioned, North by Northwest. So <laughs> lots of great movies in there. In the same vein of this one, um, I have only seen one of these, but um, Affair in Trinidad is recommended. Charade, which I almost watched and I will watch. I just didn't get around to it, but Charade is also recommended. And then the classic... The Thomas Crown Affair. There's the original. There's the new one with Pierce, or the newer one with Pierce Bros, and that one's even older now. But mm-hmm. fantastic movie, and very, very much in the same vein as this one, although not quite the same turnout as this one had. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but it's good. All right, man, you ready for name that movie? Well, let's see if I can do it again. All right. Biggest, cheesiest jingle I've ever written. I still love it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. When last we left off, we were at Vertigo. Well, we we talked about the three movies that Jimmy Stewart and Alfred Hitchcock did. That was Vertigo, Rear Window, and The Man Who Knew Too Much. So we're going to stick with Vertigo here. Oh, dear. Okay. Now, the love theme from Vertigo was used for an extended sequence in this 2011 film so a recent film and this 2011 film won the academy award for best picture that year oh dear name that film 2011 winner best picture i I was gonna say 12 monkeys because they used it in that too but oh i didn't know that that's a good movie yeah yeah um what won in 2011 what won last year crikey i used to watch the Academy Awards, like the, the Academy Awards used to be my Super Bowl. <laughs> and I should know this and I cannot think of it. What, I could be what? wrong, but I want to say last year's was Lincoln. But I could be wrong on that. I know that Daniel Day Lewis won. I'm not sure if Lincoln won the best picture. Yeah, I don't, or not. I don't think that one won either. Okay. I, but we're talking about the year before that. Yeah. What was big in 2011? I, I, you might have to give me another clue. I'm sorry. I can't remember. That's all right. Clue number one. 
This is a black and white film. Are, are you talking about the artist? I am talking about the artist. I didn't realize that. I think you're right. That one best picture. It did. I, I haven't seen that yet, so I, I haven't gotten into it enough. But it, yes. yeah, the artist. Good job. Yeah. Here were the other clues for those playing along at home. This is a silent film. So it's it's crazy, right? 2011 film that's <laughs> both black and white and silent. Yeah. Uh, but it, it pays into what the movie is all about. But anyway, the, yeah. the third clue would have been it's a French romantic comedy it's the artist so there you go hey man you're doing good you're doing good so far awesome and the next one you'll get this this was the hardest one okay i I think anyway we'll we'll find out after we do the next show but (laughs) i think you've i think you've passed the hardest part of the gauntlet so far awesome awesome (laughs) good job thank you all right well let me give our contact information before we hit the road here you can call us on the golden spiral media voice feedback line we'd love to hear your thoughts on to catch a thief or Cary grant or alfred hitchcock we'd love your ideas on what we could do a triple cast series over call us on the voice feedback line at 304-837-2278 you can also send us feedback in over at feedback at golden we would love to hear from you and uh, what your thoughts are you can also support the podcast. We are a listener-supported podcast. You can go over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash support. You'll find all of our affiliate links over there. Amazon, we mentioned at the top of the show. We've got Netflix over there. Uh, Apple, we have with, with through anything through iTunes, that is, and all kinds of them. Think Geek. So go check that out. We would certainly appreciate your support in that area. You can also leave us a donation in that area. And that, that website. And then if you want to become a sponsor of, of this show or any of the shows that we do here at Golden Spiral Media, go over there to goldenspiralmedia.com slash support. All right. Anything else, my friend? Not right now. All right. Well, good job again. Uh, good having you on board for this series. Really, really enjoying it. Me too. I will say, remember, if a woman ever asks you if you want a leg or a breast, It's a trick question. Yes, it is. I'll say, may the flicks be with you. Night, everybody. Triplecast is a production of Golden Spiral Media. Intro and outro music is provided by Kevin McLeod and Competech.com. For more information about this or other Golden Spiral Media podcasts, visit GoldenSpiralMedia.com. For advertising and support opportunities, visit GoldenSpiralMedia.com slash support. Copyright 2013, Golden Spiral Media.